Hey, this is Scott. Welcome to There's More to My Story. This is the third edition to what I've dubbed as the Veteran Series. The first individual I spoke to was Chris Parente. The second episode brought to us a conversation with Mohit Sharma. In this episode, we're talking to Chris Dolly. Chris is a father of four, and he's a foreign exchange student dad. He recently got remarried in October. Chris has been in the military for 13 years. He went from enlisted to commissioned officer. Him and his wife have recently entered into the financial industry, and they're pretty excited about the entrepreneurship journey that they're on. Chris is a no-nonsense and driven individual, and I'm excited to have him on the show. Christopher Dolly, I appreciate you joining me in this dialogue. Now, again, I appreciate you for uh, having me on and giving me the opportunity to come speak and be a part of uh, something great that you guys got going on. Uh, who am I and why? I think that's a deep question, too. And I was looking at some stuff like psychology based as to how do you answer this question? And it breaks it down to me in a lot of various parts. So when you say, who am I? You got every, like the main person, like the, the main individual you would ask, I'm a great person. I'm a solid individual. Like, what does that mean? Right? So it got me started to think a little deeper, like segments of life. And I think first and foremost, for me personally, I would say the first thing comes to mind when I say, who am I? It would be a loving, caring, and devoted father. I think that's going to be the first thing that pops into my head. And I think the reason that comes in is because you know me, we have history together and I have almost torn down entire, like my entire life career path and everything like that, just for the kids jumped international borders during COVID for the kids. There's nothing that'll stand in my way of being that role model. And there's a good individual for the kids. And even with my current relationship, we're set to get married in October, by the way. Congratulations. Down in Florida. Yeah, thank you. So even with that, she's bringing her kid into the dynamic of the family. So we have my two kids from a previous marriage, her kid, and then we have a child together. And just being able to see the intertwining of how I am holistically as a father in all aspects, because some people have that barrier up. I didn't birth that child. How can I love that child the same way that I love mine? And I think that's a legitimate question that you can have for some people. But then when you dive deep into your mind and you start holding your mind, I don't know if you realize, if you ever read it, but I've been reading a lot of David Goggins. There's a lot of stuff that you can do that yeah. you set limitations on yourself for. That's the first thing that comes to mind because it's like you look at me now and even Tamara, my uh, future wife to be, she appreciates me the way I am with the kids, like the way I treat them, the way I treat them equally, the way that I love and care for it, all of them. And even now we have uh, Richard, he's a foreign exchange student and it's been maybe about two weeks and you can already see the transition into you're a foreign exchange student. I'm trying to just make sure that you survive in a different country to you're a member of our family. 
you're like under my care and my protection. It's a little weird because he's a teenager, 16, and I have too young to have a 16 year old. I decided that. <laughs> but so when, when you look at that, I think the first concept of that would be a loving, caring, devoted father. And then I would love to say, uh, the next thought that comes up would be that a generic phrase that I said, hey, I'm a also a loving, caring, devoted husband. I screwed that up the first time, clearly, because I got divorced. But when you actually dive deeper into your mind and you start make stop making excuses for mistakes that you've made in the past and you just learn from them, that's where you develop and you start to grow. So that's where I can say that now I'm a caring, loving, devoted, significant other for another person as well, because I've learned from all those mistakes from the past and everybody says, oh, that sucks for your first time. You should have did it the first time. And that's great because, but you never really know what you know or what you can handle until you go through it. And I think that's where, that's one of them too, that uh, I started learning a couple of years ago when me and you would have our couple hour talks on the side of work while we're working or whatever, we get a break. And I think I started learning that and I started developing it. And then just uh, recently within the last like year and a half and everything like that, I deep dove into the psychology aspect behind things. Uh, when you start to understand the psychology on how the brain works and how the mind works and how you can adapt that and play it to your strengths and weaknesses, then you start to learn from those mistakes. And then I can say that if you had met me seven years ago, maybe I was not the best significant other, right? Husband. But taking all those things into account, replaying all the memories in my head, what did I do? What could have I done? Even if you make a mistake, instead of trying to cover it up, do you come out and open it? Do you just like hardball it to the other person and just have a conversation? So those are the things that I've developed to say that I'm also, that second thought would be a devoted, caring, significant other. And then to... I think to wrap it all up into one answer, because I can't tell you who I am simply because I personally don't think an individual can a hundred percent know who they are and hear me out. I don't say that as in, I don't know like where I'm at, where I'm going or anything like that, but I think life is a journey, right? In order to fully experience that journey, you have to take a version of yourself. And then it's like a, it's like a game, right? My son's playing the, the heck out of Zelda right now. You start as Zelda. Everybody knows who Zelda is, but he's only got the three little hearts. He's a little weakling, he's a little kid. You got to grow up and do all these things. And he always tells me, oh, how do I get to the boss? How do I get to the boss? Can you help me get to the boss? And it's taking that, that video game into a perspective of life. If you skip right to the end goal, you don't gain the experience along the way to develop into the character that beats the boss. You can go to the boss all day long and the boss is going to destroy you if you just go straight there. So that's the same thing that I see with life and who I am as a person. Yeah. Well, I hear that. So at the core of you, what I heard you say, devoted father, um, devoted significant other husband. Um, 
and one of the one of the things that towards the last part of what you were talking about, I even had to write it down because I think it speaks to the question in itself. How me and Dan frame the question, who do you think you are and why? Who do you think you are? Because as you said, um, a person can't 100% know who they really are because it's a constant thing, not a static thing. Would you agree with that? I agree. It is not static. I think it's a continuous process. And everybody's life is different, but everybody's life goal is to find that purpose, like who they are, why they're that person. I think that's the goal of life. So if we have this podcast on my deathbed, then I'll be able to say who I am. Because at that moment, I know like that life flashes back. You get to summarize everything. You get to put it in a couple paragraphs. Eventually, one of these days, I'm going to have one of those people that write a book for me, and I'm going to call it the Dolly Effect. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I think that's the ultimate goal is to really constantly develop who you are and don't settle for who you are now because tomorrow you're blessed to get tomorrow. I think you should be working tomorrow to make, to improve on that, who you are now. So tomorrow I'll be working on improving who I am, whether it's reading a book, whether it's continuing to work out, just something to just better myself for the next day. And that continually adds on to that, who I am, who I am would be, a continuous development into what my life's purpose looks like for me. Mm. So loving, caring, devoted father, foreign exchange student, you mentioned under your care and how much attentiveness you've had about that. From my understanding, I understand that identity has a lot to do with the interactions that we have with other people. And that yes. helps develop who we are. I'm curious when it comes to how much you care for your kids, how much attentiveness you put into the foreign exchange student, how much you, attention you've put into your, your stepson, what, what elements, what experiences cultivated that? So I think that, and here goes how we're going to get deep right here real quick, is because if you remember from the conversations we had, when I was going through all that divorce and everything like that, I got that letter from my dad. And he was like, I never wanted you as a kid. Hearing that from him, it's my father, right? He's supposed to be that role model. He's supposed to be that dude that I'm trying to, I'm trying to be like, right? Hearing that and then looking back Hearing that in my childhood, that puts a child in deep depression, right? Mm -hmm. Hearing that in my 32-year-old, 31-year-old brain at the time, it puts it into I'm angry. And then you settle down, and then that's where I said you constantly work on growth and development and mastering your mind. Because if you act on anger, you don't benefit. You're the one that suffers when you act on emotions Instead of like thinking logically, you have to combine logic and emotions. When logic runs out, you act on emotions. When emotions run out, you work on, you act on logic. So if you combine those, I feel like you reach another height, right? So that's exactly what happened. It was like in that moment, I'm like, I'm so angry. I just, I want to just like 
punch him in the face. I've never wanted to hit my parents before in my life, but I wanted to punch him in my uh, in his face. So he's just hearing that in my 30 year old brain, you process the anger and then the logic kicks in because you don't speak off of the anger. So now you think logically and you're like, so now thinking back into the childhood where I'm constantly getting in trouble for stuff, I constantly wasn't allowed to do the same thing that my sister was doing, or I'm constantly being blamed for everything or giving extra work around the house. Now it, it starts to make sense. So now mm-hmm. I see that and I process that. And then in my adulthood, I get to apply that into the same, it's the same model as, hey, normally if you have a good relationship with your father, you're like, man, that's who I want to be, right? But then you have that, if you have, if you mean you have the negative experiences, you have the, I know exactly what I don't want to be. So that you work on the things that you don't want to be. So you're not that. And then you, like what I've done personally is I've read a lot of literature based on how to parent, how to be there, how to be emotionally intelligent, how to process your kids, let them feel, let them develop, let them grow instead of being that carpenter full-time. It is to answer your question. Now painting that backstory picture, it's a challenge because one, there's a bond that I have, especially with the two older kids that are actually mine biologically. There's Liam and Leo. There's the connection that's already been there since birth, which is really hard to deter because they understand you. They know that you love and care for them. You've shown that since birth. And then with Avery, who is Tamara's kid, it was a little bit difficult there because you have to tote the fine line. I want to come on too strong, but I don't want to play like back and get used and walked over and everything like that. So you have to find that line and that balance. And then you have to see what emotionally or physically or whatever, what that, what the child needs. So with Avery, it was a a lot of compassion, right? He understood what was going on, but didn't really understand He went from being the only kid in the house to now there's a full house all the time. He doesn't get 100% of the attention. He doesn't get his way 100% of the time. And and, and it it gets him sad and upset. And like, so you got to sit down and you got to take the time. You got to have the patience to be able to develop through that because you have, uh, you have, it's a big culture shock. It's a big change. So from the adult standpoint in the 34 year old brain, I have to do this every day. I have to see a situation. And before I react to the situation, I have to put it in perspective. I'm looking at it from a 34 year old brain with a bunch of life experience. Now let me look at this problem from a seven year old brain who's still trying to adapt to a situation that he didn't really ask for, but he's in it. So that's what we can't, we constantly have to do. What do I do outside to, to foster the relationship and be a good parent to someone that I could easily say is not my child. It's that it's erasing the thought that says that's not my child. Cause yes, hundred percent. That is my child because I'm raising that child, whether other parents like it or not, I'm dad. You know what I mean? So yeah. whether other parents like the term or not, I'm dad because I'm doing dad things. So, so that, that the boasting and, and correct me because I'm trying to connect the pieces. That devotion that you explained, and particularly the letter from your dad, 
and his absence to a degree or his attitude towards you um, plays a part at your core identity. Yes? Yes, yes. So I, I think that builds upon my identity on who I am as a person. I think that experience is a great part of it simply yeah. because, like you said, it's that absence of a father figure. He was in the house, but would I say he was a father figure? No. Did he teach me anything? No. He taught me how to be really good at the military because I could get up on time. That's <laughs> that's I can get up on time and do what I'm told. So, so I, I, Chris, I'm I'm curious. So as a father, I know that my dad was actually there. Uh, he's mm-hmm. always been there. At the same time, there were aspects about his character, about his way of parenting and fathering that left marks on me, the marks on my identity and how I see the world and how I currently parent, which means that he has an influence the way I parent. And therefore I am putting marks on my children that will influence if they become parents, how they parent. So I'm curious from your perspective, we, you've explained that your, your dad and, and how he approached things have definitely impacted you for uh, the good and your devotion to your children and so forth, so on. But what do you think has been the, um, I'm just going to say negatives for the lack of better words, but what has been the negative aspect of you trying to do better than him, but has turned out to be negative? I think one of the, the, the best way that I could put it is you have two types of people, right? You have gardeners and you have carpenters. I fit in the box of a carpenter. So it's here's how you're going to do things. We're going to build it just like it's supposed to be built. This is how I envision it. This is how I'm going to build it. And then you have gardeners who say, hey, you give me a box. I'm going to let it grow and see what happens. So I think that the good and the bad mixed together is I've developed that carpentership because that's what I witnessed. It hasn't, it hadn't been until the last few years where I've actually dove into trying to become emotionally intelligent. And I think that's the problem with a lot of people is you can be really great at something. You could be the absolute best, but your way with people and your ability to be emotionally intelligent makes you either approachable or not approachable. So you can be the best at what you do, but nobody wants to mess with you because you're not approachable because you can't enter into their brain and see it from their perspective. It's got to be your way or the highway. And I think that would be one of the negative things that I'm still dealing with, which hopefully if we have this conversation again in a couple of years, I've developed even more so I don't have to do this. But a lot of times I find myself acting like I told you in the very beginning where I'm tying it all back, where you have logic and emotion. A lot of the time, especially with the children, I have acted out of emotion where I'm not even going to to you. Like sometimes I yell. I've never once hit my children. I never will. I don't believe in that. But I have yelled. I have raised my voice and it has scared them, right? Because I'm significantly bigger than them. I'm very intimidating. And that's, I don't necessarily like that. And I think that is one of the negative aspects that I've also developed from that habit pattern as well. Like just seeing how I was raised and everything like that, because that's how I was dealt. Those are the cards that I was dealt. 
And that's what I thought that I had to do. And then recently I've adjusted that thought process to an understanding mindset, but still, I still have flashes where like Liam, for example, the other day, he literally went to talk back to me and he got one of the worst attitudes and sarcastic voices and like his whole phrase that he said to me, it was just like, in my mind, it's like one of the moments I'm like, I oh, know he just didn't. And so you get in there and, you, and I cut him off and I'm like, yo, who do you think you're talking to? And I'm like, start raising my voice. And he's, you can see, he just kind of cowers down and he gets a little scared. And then when you like, you're in the moment and then you get a second to breathe and you like, wait, what am I doing? You take it, you take that step back and you look at yourself from the outside and you're like, is this really what I want to portray? Is this really how I want to be? And I think that's a negative thing that I got out of it because as that's the main thing right now in my life, as far as a parent that I'm trying to connect, correct. That's the hardest part because that's snapping straight from emotion instead of bringing logic into the situation and hearing people out, which is what I try to teach to the kids. Cause when they fight with each other, I cut off the fight. Right. And then it's not cut off the fight and play. It's cut off the fight. Hey, are you good to talk? Are you good to talk? Cool. Let's sit on the couch. Let's talk. Like you're the mediator. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, all right, cool. Hey, Avery, don't interrupt Liam real quick. Liam, what's your side of the story? He gets through telling his side of the story. And I'm saying, all right, now, Avery, now it's your side. And then when somebody tries to interrupt and I'm saying, oh, no, don't interrupt because this is from his perspective. We have to understand both perspectives before we can continue. And I right. think that's what you have to do as a parent. And tying it into different children, different kids and everything. And even with Richard, the foreign exchange student, there's been times where I have snapped and it has been easier to get Liam and Leo to understand and come back to a, I love you phase where I have to take, I have to self-aware. I have to be self-aware and dedicate more time to draw on Avery back in because he doesn't have that long connection that he has with me. He just has me for the last couple of years. Right. So mm. if I snap in that moment and he's around or I snap on him, then that's that much more work that I have to do to break down that wall that I just put up between us because of how I acted, because I'm not giving him what he needs. Those are the things that I, as a parent, have inherited from my father's side because that's how everything was done with me. So that's what I've learned and that's what I've ingrained. So that would be the negative thing. The positive things would be like, I know what I don't want to do, but even though I know what I don't want to do, sometimes you got, what, 18, 19 years of this is what it is every single day. That's hard to get out of your head. That's hard to get out of your head. So those are things that you have to be, or I personally have to be aware of as a person as well. And as that father figure, and as really that, that like idle person to look up to. Even back in my running of airmen days, like you can't just blow up on everybody because that's what you're portraying to others. So you have to understand that. And as that mentor idol figure, you have to be self-aware of who you are to improve who you are, to not make excuses, but to own up to what you do and how you do it. Are, are there any other components of that question that you feel you need to add? I think from a perspective of who I, who I am and why question, I think the biggest thing that anybody can get out of that is listening to this would be in order to figure out who you are, 
there's one word and it's accountability. So when I say that, I'm not saying that you go and screw up and, oh yeah, I screwed up. I'm going to keep screwing up though. I'm just going to say I screw up. No, it's, it's that piece that says, hey, I just did this, whether it's a good thing, whether it's a bad thing, whether you know my backstory, all the things that I did in my past that we had our two hour long conversations of. I like broke down and opened up to you about it. And that's the accountability piece because you cannot figure out who you are. You cannot move on. You cannot grow if you're not accountable for what you do in the now. So what you do in the now, what you did yesterday, what you did when you were a kid, if you're not accountable, you can't move past it. You can't learn from it. You can't move past it. You can't grow. You can't develop. So accountability is probably my biggest like takeaway from who I am and why simply because even if I do something that I'm like, man, I never would have did that. That's still a part of who I am. Right. Well, Hey man, <laughs> great conversation. And I really appreciate, uh, once again, you taking it upon yourself after I had put that message out. And, and saying, hey, Scott, for sure, you got a, a partner in me. Um, oh, yeah. A lot, and I, I really appreciate you coming out. Oh, no, it's, it's my pleasure. I'll do this anytime, any day. Uh, I actually prefer conversations like this. I don't, I like, normally when you talk to people in podcasts, here's me, it's nice to get into the deep, deeper part of why is this you? Like, why is this the way you think? Why is this the way you act? Because I think, especially when you're looking to do a podcast and you're looking to put it out to the public, that's the stuff that people listen to. That's the stuff that people learn from. And it's just like those concepts that get you thinking that make you want to be better. I think those are the, those are the conversations that I want to have because I want to learn. Like, I want to take away from this just as much as everybody else. And I think that's what I appreciate the most is because you're benefiting from it. I'm also benefiting from it too, because this is something I get to come out, be open with. I get to think new thoughts. I get to process new thoughts in new ways. So I, I definitely greatly appreciate uh, being for the opportunity to speak with you and uh, be a part of what you guys got going on now. Hey, thank you so much. Once again, Chris, thank you so much for participating in this conversation with me. Your added input to this project is invaluable. I want to hear feedback from those listening. There's More To My Story podcast has put out several episodes up to this point. What do you think? Your comments and opinion and feedback is all important. Dan and I can be reached at timtms.chat at gmail.com. That's T-I-M-T-M-S dot chat at gmail dot com. We're always looking for new conversations. And it's the diverse thought of each individual we talk to that helps us build the mosaic that we are reaching for. Join us in this journey. And until next time, remember, there's more to your story.